Okay, so we were just talking about Colleen's first week. So Colleen, you are you're doing it for real now. You're in you're in the Slack, you're on you're getting tagged on everything. How's it been? It's been great. It's been great. I think I'm seeing that we don't have documentation surrounding how to implement a filter in Rails specifically. Mm. And so I've seen a few situations where people have just made their best guess. And there are a few nuances that I think it will be really important to document. For example, in Rails, when you're, when you're using an attribute, what we call attributes, right? Relationship. Mm-hmm. A relationship attribute, it makes a difference whether it's the plural form or the singular form because we use... Um, Rails reflect on association method, which is not like super common. You don't usually use that out in the wild. So it makes a difference. If you're coming to it from one side, like the belongs to side, you know, it has to be Uh, one way. If you're coming to it from the other side, it has to be a different way. So stuff like that is great to see because that stuff, one, it's great to be able to fix these problems for them really quickly. And also it really, you know, solidifies in my mind the kinds of kind of things we have in our documentation. Like, I think it would be super cool if a relationship is not found, you could actually dump all the relationships so they could figure out what they did wrong. Stuff like that. Oh, that's interesting. So give me, can you give me an example of where, like what they're doing and where they're going wrong? So are they calling it like, so let's say a um, company has many employees. Does that one work? one that, yeah, I can use yeah, one that yeah, actually yeah, yeah. exists. So you have you have contacts and they have a there has many through course enrollments to courses. So you want your okay. contacts that have a course with name awesome course. So the court when you actually put it in your attributes, it has to be courses plural dot whatever you're trying to filter on ma- name. And that's the mm-hmm. way their particular application is set up. But if that is not intuitively obvious to you, you could have put course.name and then we throw an error. And then it's like, why the heck is there an error? I know there's a relationship between contacts and courses. Uh, so it's like just a tiny, yep. tiny, it seems like an insignificant detail, but it could be incredibly frustrating to the developer no, if they yeah. don't realize that. So I don't know if it's the same way in Laravel, is it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, yeah. So it's up to the developer what they name you know, what they name their relationships. You could name them foobars in Laravel and they're right. still the course model. But yeah, that, and that, I mean, that's a great one because that's the kind of stuff, like that's the kind of stuff that I think we want to be really worried about. Like, I because so. if our whole, if our whole spiel is we can worry about it more than you can, because <laughs> like this is our whole thing, then being able to like have good, errors around that like hey you put course but you do have one that is named courses did you mean courses right wouldn't that be awesome that would be amazing yeah like, obviously so we can that's, do that so that's like yeah. you know, not i don't have time to do that right now but like in the future be so great to be like yeah exactly like you said like here are all your your relationship attributes or you put this did you meet this mm-hmm so I think you buried the lead there. Are they implementing Hammerstone Refine on their own? <laughs> totally. Are they building filters? <laughs> they are. Yeah. It's really <laughs> tell, cool. Tell us about that. That's incredible. It's good. I mean, right now it's it's basic filters. They're having, I think because they're having me do these relationship filters because mm-hmm. the crux of this application, like many applications, is querying relationships because that's where mm-hmm. things get tricky. Uh, but yeah, they, they, you know, they've implemented some basic filters and it's pretty cool to see. 
And it, it's working? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so can I just tell you one thing I'm really excited about? You know when Please. something should work, and but you really want to see it in practice? Mm-hmm. So in Rails, if you don't, you don't typically specify a foreign key. It just automatically gives you, mm-hmm. you know, contact underscore ID. But because mm-hmm. this application is using so such deep level namespacing, they're specifying the foreign key and the foreign key does not necessarily match the model name. So although I wrote the code to take that into account, that is not something that I had actually tested. So mm-hmm. it works. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Good for you. That's got to that's got to be a nice feeling. It was pretty exciting cuz I was like, "Oh no, did I do that?" Cuz I haven't, you know, it was like 6 months ago I wrote this. I was like, "I hope I pulled out the foreign key and I didn't assume the foreign key was uh-huh. XYZ." I did. So it's it's so, all good. It's so exciting when they start using your feature, but do you also feel terrified at the same time? A <laughs> little bit. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Like, I feel like I'm pretty good. I feel like I'm pretty good at SQL, but like I'm like looking at it like, okay, that's right, right? Like I'm the join is right there, right? <laughs> yeah. There's a little bit of that. Yeah. Man, that rules. I didn't realize I'm not, you know, I'm not in there day to day. I didn't realize they were actually implementing stuff. That's huge. Wow, good for you. So is it has it been fun to like see it like come to life? Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. Like it's really cool and I'm I'm really excited to, you know, be back into it. This week was really getting back into like what do we do here again? And mm-hmm. you know, their their dev setup is really complicated with with it is. It all the services they're running. So yeah. um it was nice to kind of feel like by today, maybe by yesterday, I felt like I could really sink my teeth into it again. And that's mm-hmm. a good place to be because I'm excited about it. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah, this is this is the first I think Sean and I are hearing that they're actually implementing the real deal. And you were just like, yeah, so they're implementing it and they ran into this issue. I'm like, wait, 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 hang on. <laughs> that's the exact reaction that I had. <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep, you got to, you got to sell it a little more. That's exciting <laughs> for Sean and I. <laughs> right. Yeah, I felt and like for the last however many months, we're just building this thing. And I'm like, <laughs> somebody's going to use it someday. I don't know. I know. I know. We're just kind of like building it and we're going to throw it over the wall at some point and hope it yep. works. And then <laughs> here comes Colleen making everything work. Um, I think you also talked with Andrew about like implementing it through models instead of through some other method what was that about oh so they're using postgres timescale db and we had talked about maybe writing some kind of dsl interface but what we decided to do for now and this is not necessarily the long-term solution this is a Mm -hmm. we need this to work solution the events model like the events table in the postgres db or no they use mysql actually i always use postgres so i just forgot uh the events table in the post in the mysql db is going to have all the foreign keys right on it. So so all the relationships are going to be in the MySQL database. Mm-hmm. So re- for now, we don't have to worry about timescale DB and like the format that that dumps events in. They have some kind of adapter that's going to dump it into the events table. Great. Yeah. Which is it's good. huge because that's how Refine is built. Like the whole the whole premise is we sit on top of, you know, whatever frameworks active record implementation. So we don't have to go make up a new DSL at this point, 
We may. I mean, we may in the We future. might eventually, or, which is fine, but I really like the idea of getting the implementation rock solid before we start doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. Then we can have something to compare it against. Like once we know the filters and the setup and everything works, then we can move it to either, you know, Elasticsearch or whatever they eventually land on. That's great. Anything else in almost said the client's name. Anything else in, in client world? No, all's good. How's it feel to be back on, I mean, back on the freelancer schedule, contractor (laughs) schedule. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was just adjusting to the other schedule. (laughs) I know. And now I'm, I'm back doing this. Um, it's good. No complaints. Good. Good. Yeah. Well, I have tons of complaints, but I don't want to air my grievances about my uh, back right now. So, Sean, what's going on with you? I want to air my grievances about sleeping. (laughs) Okay. You air your grievances, and then I'll air mine. So, you go first. (laughs) No, I'm doing... I've had trouble sleeping for, like, the last seven years, which also, not so coincidentally, happens to be exactly as old as Isaac is. But it Mm. it started then, uh, and then it just never went away. Uh, and I've gotten slightly better over the years. Actually, it was initially a really bad, like full blown insomnia problem for a couple of years. And then I was sleeping like fairly normally where I could at least count on a night of sleep to be like pretty consistent and like good enough. And I can like function mostly like a person. Some days I was a little tired, some days not, but I was sort of getting to the point where it was like, I'm really tired of that. Like I spent a lot of time and money and focus on my health and it was sort of frustrating to be like (laughs) why do i do all that and i still just feel tired and drag my ass through the day like most days of the week so i'm like i gotta fix this sleep thing i didn't feel like i was an insomniac anymore so i just sort of like stopped thinking about it but still my sleep quality was just terrible so anyway i finally went i also during uh with my at my day job like i work with elite military guys and i was talking to one of them And he was like, yeah, for some reason, I was telling him about my sleep stuff. And he was like, for some reason, we have a higher incident of we being those guys, not me. (laughs) Those guys have a higher incident of like sleep apnea stuff, like sleep breathing disorders. So he travels with a CPAP machine. No way. He's not. Wow. Yeah. He's like super fit, like, you know, dude that you just would not expect that has this problem. But apparently like half of them do. Um, Wow. Yeah, so they started like kind of requiring them to go get these sleep tests, go to a sleep lab. And he's like, you got to go, go do it. So I finally, I was like, enough things came together. I finally decided to just go get the sleep lab test. And then I also talked, went to a couple ENTs. I went to a dentist too, because there's some connection with like Mm -hmm. your jaw and stuff and breathing. And I have no problems breathing. (laughs) Oh, great. Fantastic. Yeah, I know. I was like, it's all in your head. (laughs) Oh, well, well, kind of. But anyway, so that, with that ruled out, that meant that it was like, okay, now it's time to just do this thing called sleep restriction therapy, which is like you figure out how much time you're actually sleeping and then you cut back the number of hours you're in bed to that time or less. Uh, and that's, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm in the middle of doing now. So the idea is I probably was spending too much time in bed. So I probably only sleep six and a half to seven hours a night or something like that on average, which is a normal, perfectly healthy, acceptable amount of sleep. But I was trying to do it in like eight and a half hours. 
Mm-hmm. So you try to get that much amount of sleep and it sort of spreads out thinly across this time that you have in bed. And so then I would, the pattern is I'd fall asleep and then toss and turn and toss and turn. Anyway, so I'm now trying to compress that and it's brutal. It's, uh, it's brutal. I'm in bed for seven and a half hours, which is like totally normal amount of time to be in bed for like a normal person. And I know I'm capable of, you know, I, I in a previous version of me with, that's about how long I probably would have spent in bed and how long I would have slept. So I know I can do it, but it's, I'm on like week almost th- through week two now. And, uh, it's very tiring. What does that look like? The, the sleep restriction. I like, mean, do you like, you're like, I cannot go to bed till 11 and I must get up at six. Yes, exactly. Oh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> Good guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm on a very strict schedule right now. Um, and I have to, right now my schedule is 10.30 to 6 o'clock. And waking up at 6 o'clock. Well, I had one day where I slept and it was almost perfect. And I woke up and I was like right before my alarm. And I felt great. I was like, what? I haven't done that literally in seven years. So that's the really? first time that's ever happened. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I couldn't believe it. I felt fine the whole day. I felt awake. So that was pretty motivational. Of course, then the next, the last three nights have just been like you know terrible but that's to be expected so i just gotta i think it's gonna work though i think i just gotta push through it just have you done it before yeah i did in fact i was that eight and a half hour window that i was sleeping in was me having compressed it um down from like nine and a half hours so because when you're in an insomniac your inclination is like i need to get more sleep i'm so tired i need to get more sleep so you end up spending more and more time in bed uh, which makes your problem worse and worse and worse. Um, I mean, that's one factor that goes into insomnia. So it's I'd like already compressed anx- the eight and a half. It's like you're anxious about not sleeping, so you spend more time in bed being anxious about not sleeping. <laughs> yeah, that and it gets even worse rough. if you go to like the level that I did. You actually start to become afraid of sleeping itself. Wow. So it would go where I would go, and I would be. I had a two. I had two years. It was just like torture. I maybe got five hours of sleep a night for and scattered throughout the whole night i mean i was trying i was trying to sleep for like 11 hours a night for like two years i did that and uh it was um in the end that when i got out of that because that was just psychological that was that was i mean i just say just psychological but like my brain has been trained to be afraid of sleeping so you have to like retrain yourself to like let go of that um i went through like one process there's a few different ways of going through that process and working that out but yeah, so I would fall asleep. I would get in bed and I'd be like finally falling asleep, but then my brain would notice you're falling asleep and then be like, oh, wake up like oh, I'm scared. No. Oh, jeez. And just do that over and over and over again until I was just so exhausted that then I would eventually fall asleep for a few hours and then, you know, some point in the morning realize I'm sleeping and wake up. <laughs> That's devastating. Wow. Yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. That's, that's long gone. That's way in the rearview mirror for me. But at some point... Then I was, I was no longer like afraid of sleeping and I would still go to sleep, but I still just didn't have very good, um, sleep. Like my sleep window was too long and I think I was afraid of shortening it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then once you have insomnia, you kind of have these like mental patterns forever. so it's like a memory. So then, you know, you, it's hard to then make yourself sleep less because then you start feeling tired, which then triggers all of that trauma again, basically. 
So I've, I've, the reason I felt confident doing it this time around is because I'm past all of that and I'm, I'm not afraid of being tired or sleepy anymore. And this, it's not, a, I had initially the first week, like a little bit of it come back. And then I realized, and, uh, I, I got past that. And so I just, I'm still going. So it's overall, it's fine. Actually, it's a, it's not like, it's not a scary or stressful thing doing the sleep restriction right now for me, but I am, I'm tired cause I'm not sleeping great. <laughs> so it's hard to be, you know super motivated so yeah that's me yeah all right Aaron, do your back because your back is worse <laughs> well my back is bad i will say that um so i'm getting surgery monday i thought i was going to be so today's friday i thought i was going to be getting a second shot today um but so i i got two i got several opinions but i got two opinions from two different surgeons on my back along with a neurologist and an orthopedic so i got you know four official opinions and then several like friends of family who are orthopedics got a ton of opinions so i got these two opinions from these two surgeons right one of them the first guy i went to was a little bit sloppy seems like he knew what he was doing but was a little bit like um disheveled the office was not great the environment was not great and then the second one i went to super clean office was totally like state-of-the-art put together the surgeon was like very buttoned up and i really trusted him so i got the shot done by the first guy the disheveled guy because he could get me in faster and i mean he's you know 55 and has a spine surgery practice so he's he's not a dummy and then I want the second guy to do the surgery just because his practice seems more put together, right? So I had to break up with this first doctor, which was horrible. Like, how do you get a second opinion and then break up with the one that you you don't go with? So I was going to get this second shot today, and I called the office and was like, hey, you know, I'm getting, I'm trying to get this shot on Friday. I'm also, turns out I'm having surgery on Monday, but not by your doctor and I want to make sure that those two don't like aren't at odds with each other. Um, and she was like, Oh, you're having surgery, not by doctor. What's his name? And I was like, yeah, I'm going with this other doctor. Turns out when I was at the surgery center, the first time, all the nurses right outside my little station were talking about how they were just talking about opinions that I don't agree with and it would affect my health personally. And I was like, Oh, I don't know if I want to be in a surgery center where all the nurses are like militantly anti-vax. I was like, that doesn't make me feel super comfortable. <laughs> like if I'm going to be cut open and, you know, so I, I told like the lady on the phone, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm going with this other doctor. I feel like their practice, you know, I, I kind of like their practice a little better. And she put the doctor on the phone. Wow. <laughs> she went and got, she went and got the spine surgeon and was like, Hey, why don't you talk to this nobody patient? And I was like, no, you gotta be kidding me. So he comes and gets on the phone and I'm like, Hey man, I'm really sorry. It's, I'm, I'm literally breaking up with a spine yeah. surgeon who has, who's, you know, has no business talking to a single patient. I'm like, I'm really sorry. I really liked you. I got a second opinion. The guy said exactly what you said. I trust you. Here's the deal. The people at your, you know, your surgery practice made me feel a little bit uncomfortable and that's all that it is. And I'm going to go with this other squad. And he was like, he was gracious, but it was the worst I mean, I was just so uncomfortable. I thought I could get away with just talking to the scheduler and say I'm going with somebody else. But I'm to the point now where, like, 
I, I can't I can't walk. I'm I'm laying in bed all day long. Like if I'm not sitting in this chair, I'm sitting on a heating pad right now. So I'm sitting on a heating pad and this chair is like raised up and tilted such that it takes all the pressure off the bad spot. If I'm not sitting in this chair, I'm laying in my bed inside the house. And it's just it's brutal. It's gotten like depressing because we have, you know, two children that are three months old that I want to be like picking up and hugging and playing with. And I can't. And so it's, it's pretty dark. Um, so Monday is the surgery. They say it's just going to be like 30 minutes. They're going to trim off 5% of the disc and I'll wake up and be as happy as can be and walk out. So, so there's no recovery. No, that's no that's same amazing. same day. Whoa. Yeah, wow. go home the same day. Oh, I just um, assumed we were going to wow. be sans Aaron for like two weeks. Yeah, no. me too. No, he was like, just don't jog or lift anything. I was like, bro, awesome. not a problem. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's the same day. It's an outpatient, I guess. And so I show up at five thirty in the morning. Surgery's at seven, and I'll be home same day. That's wonderful. So don't jog or lift anything forever. No, just for like a couple weeks. Couple weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. What prevents it from coming back? I don't know. Um, oh. So he's going to trim off the part that's impinging the nerve. So he's going to take off just a little bit. Um, they, all the opinions have said the disc is never going to like suck back in to where it should be. Um, I think the the course of action from here is core stabilization basically like i've become pretty weak and my posture is pretty bad and so i think i need to at this point focus on like strengthening my body because if i don't then it gets weaker you know when i was 25 it was like hey, if i don't do anything it's my body's still going to be awesome because i'm 25 and apparently at 32 that's different so i'm going to be once i can do stuff i'm going to be really focusing on like core strength, flexibility, and posture, because I don't have any of those things. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I am hoping that Monday I'm going to have a new lease on life, because it's pretty grim right now. All of a sudden, I'm, like, really, really hyper-aware of how uncomfortable I am sitting in my chair right now. <laughs> my back is like, uh, maybe you should move, Sean. <laughs> yeah. So, that's the back drama. Um Okay, there are other things we can talk about. I put a list in, in Slack, and I'll read out some potential ones. We can talk about Hammerstone's first acquisition. Um, we can talk about View and Laravel, or we can talk about Torchlight. So what do you guys think? Let's talk about launching the View Laravel side. All right, let's do it. I throw it to you, Sean. Though I know probably people listening are like, what's this acquisition thing? We should probably yeah. follow, like circle. <laughs> yeah, we should that. definitely follow that one up. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So, I want to launch this thing. I want to launch this thing before the retreat. What okay. Do you think about retreat that timeline? is. I love that October retreat is October ninth, tenth, Columbus Day, seventh, eighth, ninth. Yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah. Oh, Columbus Day. Yeah. So we got so like a Octo- month, October, five whatever. weeks, six weeks. <laughs> that gives us like six weeks. It's doable. Yeah. Six weeks. Okay. So yeah, where are we at? Uh, where are we at on the view side? I haven't. Where are we at? Where we're at is I haven't looked at it for like two months or something. So okay. I have no idea. I have to like remember what it is. 
Okay. This is where we're at. But I like uh, uh, vaguely what I remember is I had started adding in different. Um, sorry, now be <laughs> also having a job. My brain is now mixing <laughs> terminology between the two because uh, mm-hmm. I was just working on input types in our React app for my job. And the thing I'm thinking of is our criterion types, like the uh, like dates and inputs. So I have, I remember I was knocking out the rest of those like dates and numbers. I don't know if you remember that, but I was, mm-hmm. I was knocking yeah. those out. And then the idea was, okay, let's just get it to work in builder mode. Cause remember it has like two modes. You can like mm-hmm. um, uh, go on your own on the front end to build queries that are static and not dynamically built from our blueprint. Mm-hmm. And then um, the other mode is like the builder mode where it's fed our configuration and our mm-hmm. and a blueprint. So the idea was finish up the, the blueprint mode and then just launch it with that. And then I can do the extra work to make it more of like a full featured useful front end library that we could Colleen open source. Lost. Colleen, are you lost on the builder mode versus the I, Well, that reminded mode? me that our client, it reminded me to ask you a question about that because our client wants some links to render filters automatically. And it sounds like the builder mode. That sounds like what I need. Yeah. Right? Uh, is that what you're talking about? Like a static blueprint builder? Static blueprint builder is the opposite. Yes. Oh. The blue, the builder mode is what we already have, but like oh. a static, yeah, I need a, a static, static filter. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that's what I'm building for the view thing. See, Aaron, I told you people would want that. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> I told you. I told you. Yeah. And I, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. <laughs> so, yeah, we don't have that with Hotwire. I don't know. We'll have to talk about that, Colleen. I can help you. We can come up with some ideas. Okay. Um, yeah, let's think that through. That makes so much sense that they would want that. I kind of for annoyed them, that they're thinking of it now already. For them, we might build um, a blueprint on the back end and send it down. Like, you know, when yeah. you hit the controller or whatever, you have your blueprint template built and we send that down because that's going to be impossible to do with Hotwire otherwise. Exactly. And and it could be, it's a little, it's awkward though, because instead, because what you really want is just to give your front end guy, like they could just write the, write the filter and then it maps to your query on the back end. That's what you want. Um, but they're going to have to work with our blueprint data instead. Mm-hmm. So they'll have to like build that up manually and then send that down. That'll be the like short term solution. Mm-hmm. Long term would be, I think, because they got React in the stack, we can give them components that will, um, and in fact, the way I'm building it with Vue is their renderless components and we'll do the same thing in React. I'll just give them some hooks that they can work with so they can like build their own little pieces, um, figure out how they're going to make sure that they're rendering the same thing in the Hotwire thing and the React thing, and then they can they can do it. But that that's down the road. Otherwise, I don't know what we'll do for them. Um, I'll have to think about it. But yeah, so Aaron, that's that's where where I'm thinking with the launch is like basically it's just waiting on me for the technical side and there's not much work. I don't know how much I need to look at it um, okay. a couple weekends and then we have to start sort of ginning up a little bit of anticipation for it mm-hmm. and thinking through how, if we want to have a launch strategy, how much of a launch do we want to do? How much appetite do we have for doing like a big launch? Um, mm-hmm. Or do we want to sort of soft launch and then plan a bigger 
a bigger launch later because we could do you, you know say, we can launch Sean, when later. you say big launch what do you mean by that is that like a product hunt deal what does that mean no, well i mean that could be part of it but like how do you the question that you're answering with the big launch is how do i build anticipation for the product okay and so like all of the ways that you could go about doing that so for us it's going to look a little different. We don't have much of an email list. We have, but but like in the past when I've launched products, I have an email list and that's a big part of my strategy is building a sequence of emails that let people know it's coming that are starting to like talk about the things that they're going to care about the most with the product to start building the hype train as they say in the YouTube gamer sphere or whatever. <laughs> it's like, let's get the hype going. Uh, so it's basically that, and there's lots of different ways to do it. And then, and then there's also like, do we want it? We could try to like make it look like we're everywhere all at once. All of a sudden we're just like in all these different places. Right. So the way you do something like that is you try to like schedule a podcast tour all at the same time. You'd figure out where you want to run ads and sponsorships. You figure out, um, content. So you get some content lined up and you get it ready to post and like different sites that are everywhere. I mean, there's a whole, you can do all these things and you sort of schedule it. So it all happens at once. In addition to your launch, in addition to you're trying to like coordinate with other influencers in your area to like say that, Hey, this is launching today, et cetera. Right. So there's like all these things you can do, um, different forms. I'm like gesturing with my hands. <laughs> like there's different <laughs> sizes of this, that you can pick, uh, but the launch is basically build anticipation. So, and let's call in, did you have anything to follow up on that? So one, so I think some of that, if not a lot of that, is going to come down on me because it is the Laravel ecosystem. And um, somehow I've managed to get like 350 people on an email list for a syntax highlighter. So I think this whole like work in public show what you're building, like talk about what you're up to and like share behind the scenes stuff. I think that's really useful and valuable. And so once we get to the point, part of why I haven't wanted to do that with refine is because we did that a long time ago and a lot of people really loved it, but I don't want to do that until we have like some notion of when we're going to ship it. Cause I don't want to continually be, you know, showing stuff that people yes. are never able. Cause then it feels like, all right, man, it's vaporware. Like, yeah. And I don't like, I don't want to waste any goodwill by like ginning something up for nothing. So if you think we're at the point where it's like, all right, it's August 27th today. We're shooting for October 9th or whatever. That's a month. Like, you know, that's a month and two or three weeks. I can start, I can start showing more of that publicly like our docs are still not linked from the homepage and I can start linking to those and talking about it and showing behind the scenes how it works um, and put up a email capture, which we don't currently have for refine. We only have for torchlight. Um, so I can, I can start doing that. And I mean, maybe it gets to a hundred, but that's better than zero. And that's at least, that's at least something people, people so, are aware of it. Cause every time, some sometimes I'll tweet about Torchlight and they're like, "Hey man, where's where's Refine? I'm ready to start using it. I'll be your first customer. I'm ready to pay. I'm ready. To, literally, I've had DMs that are like, 
I'm ready to pay you to get this implemented in Laravel. So I've heard you talk about your Rails client on the podcast. If you want like us to pay you to help get this implemented in Laravel, we can do that. It's like, oh gosh, people really want this. At least some people uh, really want it. Yeah, it's brutal to like have to split our time the way we have. Yeah. It's so challenging. <laughs> yeah. That's but so I think we're in a good spot because I think you're mostly out of client land. Yeah. Yeah. I'm and not going to think about it unless Colleen needs my help. So, so I'm I think, devoting like yeah. no brain cycles to that, which is awesome. <laughs> okay. So if you can turn the cannons back towards view, then I can start working on, there are a few minor pieces left over on the Laravel side that I've just not really done anything with because it hasn't been necessary. So if you can get the view stuff done, then we can, right. You, you and I can like get the integration part. Like we can get a sandbox where we can play with both of right. them at the same time, which is of course vitally important. Then at that point, you and I can both kind of start tweeting about, you know, Hey, here's a screenshot. Here's a animated GIF. Like look how easy this is. That kind of stuff. Okay. So, to that end then how I'm looking, I was looking at my calendar while we were talking and there's only like five weekends. So because I'm five days a week now, basically I have my weekends and I would oh, say I have nights, God. but nights are at the moment with the sleep restriction therapy, you know, a little bit extra challenging. So not probably a great idea to have me doing you know, work that matters for people while I'm sleep deprived. So, but that's like it lasts forever, but I'm just still looking at it. And it's like only, only got five weekends. Also randomly, I'm going pheasant hunting for one of those weekends. <laughs> so the <laughs> very randomly, cause I don't know anything about, about hunting. Um, <laughs> but you know a ton about pheasants, so you're going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you coming to see me, Sean? Where are you going to come out here? Uh, to Coronado. Yeah. You said you were coming in August. I did? Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> so Okay, no. I'll take that as a no. Yeah, it's, it's the 27th, so it's looking like a no. <laughs> yeah, so I got to get out there at some point. Um, I'm not sure when that'll happen. And also, COVID stuff is changing how comfortable yeah. I am personally with traveling and stuff with, uh, yeah. with the kiddo not being vaccinated still. So that's pretty frustrating um so yeah i don't know that that would be cool though i gotta i I am gonna get out there i have to get out there for for reasons so anyway to see me yeah should we yeah just to see you that's (laughs) (laughs) um should we erin so i think we should soft launch it this is what i'm getting at like i'm looking at this let's just goal is it works before the retreat and then we can reach out to a handful of people see what we can pull together that way Okay. And then um, just so I'm that, clear, then, is soft launch different than anything that I described about tweeting about it and building the email list? Yeah. That it is I would different. Say, yeah. Okay. I mean, we could do that too if you want, but I don't want to commit to, yeah, it's definitely like you can buy it on this day. Got it. Okay. Okay. So Let's, you're. We could start. You're saying soft launch versus like opening the doors for anyone to buy on October 10th or whatever. Yeah. You know, like when a restaurant opens and it's like they have a few nights of like friends and family family. test drive everything. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Let's go. Let's go for that before retreat. Okay. So if 
I agree. If that, if it's okay with y'all, I think I would still like to, once we have it integrated and I can show, because yes. right now it's hard to just show the back end because it's not, it's right. like, what does this do? And if I right. can show both at once, I would like to start like building up anticipation, even if on the 10th or whatever, we let friends and family in, at least we're still building the list as we go. Yes, definitely. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. Um, so, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Colleen. A friend who listens closely, actually an internet person who listens closely to my podcast uh-huh. um, and coincidentally now starts listening to yours. He was like, this is just like how they started Tuple. Anyway, just thought I'd share that with you guys. <laughs> oh, really? He was like, it's literally yeah. the exact same thing. Ben took a job. Then he like left the job because he had this opportunity to build Tuple and people were going to fund it. And I was like, oh, that's exciting. Ah, <laughs> so, you know. Well, that's good. I would <laughs> I would love to follow that route. So uh, <laughs> thank, thank you for that generous comparison, internet person. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So, Sean, you said soft launch and then I interrupted you. So, keep going. Soft launch. Yeah, soft launch and then... We could talk about that more. Something that I do want to bring up is I want to then at that point consider hiring a view developer. Okay. Like okay. like a contractor. Okay. Yeah. Uh, f- f- pulling up, we can decide some budget and then I want to start getting somebody up to speed to do that because then I'm starting to feel like like I, I got to be around, uh, we could hire somebody mid-level. Like we don't necessarily need to have somebody really experienced because I can guide them and help them, mm-hmm. you know, make choices. But then I feel like the most value, like what's the most valuable thing I could be doing on, I think it's like these um, marketing related things uh, that nobody's paying attention to right now, which will mm-hmm. be the big long-term growth for us. That's what I'm thinking I'm going to bring it up today and we can have this conversation over the following weeks. There's no rush on this and I'm not married to doing that. Yeah. First pass. That seems reasonable to me. Okay. We'll talk about it more, but Colleen, what do you think? Yeah, that's fine. All right, cool. Well, we'll talk through what that looks like then. And okay. So we if we're thinking of having this done in the next three, three ish weeks, right. With Sean devoting his weekends. Have you guys talked about, pricing yet yeah well hang on three ish is that right i don't know it's four five five but I, oh. in gosh it's like five weeks a handful. it's not very much time which is going to be stressful hey, for you, Sean. five five is more than three <laughs> yeah i guess it's five <laughs> yeah and um, also all that's why i wanted a soft launch man because i gotta coordinate with beth because i'll have to be like hey i'm gonna disappear this weekend or, right yeah <laughs> or like love that. I, yeah they do figure that out. They love that <laughs> yeah um, so what it, have you guys set a price? Have we talked about that? Yeah, we've talked we, about that extensively. There's okay. a lost episode where Sean and I talked about that for an hour and a half or more. Um, okay. so we can talk about it. We later have or talked offline. about it. Okay. No, we can talk about it now. No, we can talk uh, about it. Yeah. Okay. Cause I was just re-listening to Michelle's episode on pricing. So it's on my mind. So what do you okay, think? Well, what's on, well, what's on your mind? You, you I don't want to tip my hand. What's on your mind? Uh, what's on my mind is the price you had told me like two years ago is, is way too low. This was what probably was two years that, ago. It was five hundred dollars. Oh yeah, no, that's a, way too we're, low. We're moved right. on. Okay, yeah. But we're still probably too low then, based on the way you're saying this. We're we're yes. thinking like a thousand dollars a year. Thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Okay, and how did you come to that? Is that just a? 
<laughs> pick, I just, just picked made it, it up? out of the air. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, no. So I mean, I mean it, based on value, that yeah. that's it, here's the problem. In the we would char- I think it sh- we should charge more. I think yeah. that it's like a five thousand dollar a year license. Personally, yeah. like, but the problem is in Laravel, we are price anchored by Taylor Otwell stuff which is super ridiculously cheap. There's okay. like, the pressure for sure. Got it. And so okay. trying to like figure out the right price that's based on value because you could, you're not going to build this for 5,000 bucks. There's no chance. Like there's a number in between a thousand and 5,000 where you, to me, most people are going to look at it and be like, yeah, we can't, we should just buy it instead of build it. Like that's, that's where that number comes from. But but lower than that is too little. And, and I think that we don't have a big enough market to support lower than that. Yeah. Um, higher than that, I'm open to. But I am also like, will, it, will we be able to? It's easier to move. Um, I mean, like, I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be easier to get initial customers at the lower end of that range. So that's one way of thinking about it. Okay. Um, but then we can raise it as we kind of like gauge how people react to that to that price so yeah yeah because from a value perspective that seems low to me i mean think of what we are being essentially paid by a client to implement this right like it's super low it feels really low but but Um, colleen there is you don't have to have our the way like if somebody's gonna make this choice they don't have to have our solution they could be like and we could just build like some custom reports that's one way they could do it yeah or we could just keep doing that as we go or they could be like and we'll just build like a crummy form for this one like type of mm-hmm. query that they're asking us for all the time. Like there's a number where then you start thinking, yeah, we'll just do that. Like it's not worth paying this other thing. Yeah. Um, and that's assuming that you have even accurately figured out like how long it's going to take you to build something that. Which no one ever we, does. All right. So that's, okay. that's why like the value-based pricing is tough there. I see. Cause like, I think if we price it, if we, pr- if we priced it too high, then we're we're restricting this is all wild ass guess like who knows but like i feel like we're restricting the market too much to be like only people that want a query builder a full featured query builder uh and need it you know like absolutely we're gonna you know have a query builder like client uh, is doing versus you've talked about how like everybody could use it well what's the everybody can use it price which is different Mm -hmm. so the like oh we should add this because this and you know oh it turns out if we add this we can do all these other cool things you know like my job even like we're looking at it as a potential thing to add but it's not like uh, a crucial feature to the app but if it was a thousand bucks a year it'd be like it's a okay, no-brainer i know yeah. for sure they yeah. would balk at like higher than that like yeah. there's there's a range but if it was five thousand bucks a year it would be like uh we don't need that yeah, we can just build it into this one controller in the one place we that we use it, it with the you know, yeah. eight known criteria that we need versus buying yeah. a query builder. So, but then it's like maybe, oh, a thousand bucks a year? Like we pay for other stuff that's a thousand bucks a year. No problem. Like, yeah. Well, maybe that's the answer is you start, we start there and kind of we can gauge as we go. Yeah, I but I totally you- agree with you. Less than that is definitely wrong. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think. 500 is crazy. I think a thousand is like not objectively crazy, but close in terms of being too low. low. Like 
and I think it, I think that'll change. Um, I think once we establish some credibility, we'll be comfortable changing, augmenting that price up. Yeah. I think once like, cause Colleen, I don't know how much like two years ago you would have said, Oh, 500 is insane. But now that you have done it, you're like, 500 is insane. Yeah. And I think the more people that we have out there that are like, no, 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 like just pay the 2,500 for it. Yeah, exactly. We'll feel we'll feel right. better about it versus trying to tell people like, no, I promise you, even at twenty five hundred, it's cheap. So I don't. I think I'm with y'all. I don't feel bad about charging a thousand in the way I would feel bad about charging five hundred. But I don't think that's where <laughs> we'll live forever. No. Okay, that seems reasonable. Yeah, I mean, I just did. I just did the math. It's eighty three dollars a month. Which, when you put it that way, it's like. Well, that's less than one hour of developer time a month. So now I kind of feel like it's objectively insane, but still. A thousand bucks is like, you know, one day of an experienced developer's I know. time. Right. That's right. ridiculous. <laughs> you, can't, you can't build this in a day. That doesn't. Oh, man. <laughs> that's so ridiculous. I wish. So, yeah, based on value, that price is super, super cheap. Yeah, it feels low. So this this is one of the things we talked about, Colleen, is the Laravel ecosystem has Taylor Otwell, who's the creator of Laravel, and he makes um, he makes incredibly good, like polished software, and then sells it for like pennies and dimes. So, okay. like for example, Sidekick, you know, Sidekick, uh, what's his name's thing that y'all use Mike. in in Ruby, Mike yeah, Mike's thing. Um, Taylor built that and released it for free in Laravel. I mean, it's not, you know, one-to-one, but it's, it's Redis queue worker balancing, monitoring failovers. Like it's that, but it's free. It's just open source. And then he's got an entire, like an entire admin panel that you can add into your Laravel app. That's just like unbelievably great and customizable. And it's $99 one-time purchase. Wow. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, it's killing and of me. Course, of course, he's got, you know, he's got the entire mind space of Lara De- Laravel developers. So he's making, and he's said this publicly, he's making millions of dollars a year. Right. And so it's like, yeah, I'll release it for, it's like if DHH released something for $99 right. a year that was a Ruby thing instead of like Basecamp or whatever, people would be like, right. yeah, hell yeah, I'll buy that. Yeah. So it does create okay. some downward pressure. But I think we can overcome it because this is a little bit. This is a little bit different. Yeah, and it could be like in our imagination that there's it could some be. price totally. anchoring. Yep. Yeah, that's a good point. And it could be that our customers like end up being Michelle agencies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's do it. Well, before we, should, we set a price, we will. Yeah, have I feel like we need to talk to because I, I I don't know. I see what you're saying with the downward pressure and the if they just want to implement it on one model, it's not worth it. But a thousand dollars is a no brainer. But I don't know. It's easier. It feels like it's easier to adjust down than to adjust up. Yeah. I mean, you, you have the precious take. It's pretty easy to just grandfather things in like prices. You could say, yeah, as of this date, we're, yeah, we can go either way. Um, And I guess at the lower price point, we will get a wider swath of people because you're absolutely right, Sean, the, the companies that are like, oh, I just need a filter here and here. $1,000 $1,000 is easy, right? But if, mm-hmm. but you know, maybe three k or 2500 is more like, oh, I don't know. I'm just going to write some scopes on my yeah. model and make a little form for it. Mm-hmm. And uh. we could capture some of that value 
via con- contracts, like integration contracts. There's that's not true. this, you know, so like fine, it's a thousand bucks a year for the license, but like, oh yeah, you want a maintenance contract? So we'll, uh, um, well, anyway, that would be the, like, if you want like an integration license, like what we're doing for client X, our current big client, like, yeah, okay, fine. We'll help you with all these different things that you want. Um, and we get a little extra money and then also support. Sorry. That's what I was looking for. Support contracts. Yeah. That's the other place where we can, so like a bigger company, uh, that, so we're, you know, we could maybe collect $5,000 a year pretty regularly, but like some companies just don't care about the support. Like we can offer some really low level, like support. Here's our docs. (laughs) And like, that's basically it. Um, for free but then okay you want actual support like you want to talk to us in slack or email or whatever then that's an extra fifteen hundred dollars a year or and then and then of course there's big integration contracts possibilities okay cool i don't know but you so that's the other can of worms which is like do we charge up front do we charge uh like or let people just trial it for free or do we have like a charge up front and then do like a 30 day or 40 60 day like trial period guarantee yeah yeah i think you have to charge them up front because the setup i mean the thing about this product is the integration effort is not zero right so agreed that's my my first instinct is to say you charge them up front or do you handle that with support contracts it's like, mean? so, so I, I, the example that I gave with Aaron, cause I'm on the other side where it should just be free until you actually are going to use it. Okay. And the, which I, and Aaron and I have talked about this, like I'm totally good going with like charge up front. I don't think it's a mistake to do that. That's absolutely fine. But the reason that I'm more like, we should just let them use it is because when you're making this like build versus buy choice, if you're on like a weird, if you're at a bigger company, and bigger it even not even necessarily a bigger company even smaller companies like my company now we recently did this whole decision with high charts which is like another like component library kind of similar business model to what we're going to have and it took us like a year to decide we're going to use it but the whole time we had high charts installed as a package um but it was Why just did- like cuz like it we're like yeah okay we're going to prioritize this work and it's going to need a charting library and then it was like eh, we have to do something else right now so forget about it for 3 months and then come back to it and we're like okay let's build out a couple things with high charts you know as like examples for us on our little back end like a demo board thing that we have and see if we like it and then be like okay cool we like it let's investigate pricing and then up oh, we got other stuff coming up so you know get back to that so anyway it was just like it took it took a while like for us to to to, like mess around with it to make sure that it was what we wanted like and it was also spread out over a long amount of time i feel that's really normal i've done that on a lot of other a lot of other places too there's just one example and the way high charts does it is it's free until you start using it which was great for us it was perfect and then they have support contracts and they have licenses so if you buy a license you don't get any support at all if you you have to buy the support contract to actually go get support and that worked fine for us. So we're like bought a license and bought a little support contract as well. So that's, that's the way it worked for us. That's why I was like, eh, it should just be free. And cause they, because precisely because of what you're saying, the integration thing is like a big part of it. And as a developer, you're going to want to like see if this is actually going to work. But isn't that like going to the gym, right? Like 
you want to pay for it so you go. So mm-hmm. we want to charge them so they actually integrate it. I mean, I kind of like the, if it's a, like you could do a money back guarantee and, and then they'd have to reach out and then we mm-hmm. could be like, hey, is it because you didn't want you couldn't figure it out or like, is it because you need more support? Yeah. How much was, do you remember how much like a high charts, I'm not familiar with them. How much are they? It was similar to our pricing. I mean, okay. that's one of the reasons why our pricing was, was, is what it is because we kind of lean on that a little, but it was like a thousand, fifteen hundred bucks a year yeah. for support. And so, it was like a certain level of support. And how did they know when you were actually using it in production? They don't. They don't, right. Um, okay. We could totally cheat. Okay. It's just some things to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the big risk for somebody that's going to buy this is the integration risk. And great. I feel like, I don't know, like some companies might be willing to just pay a thousand bucks to like, okay, let's go give this a try. And a thousand bucks is again, that right number that lets them do that. Like, cause it's yeah. not for most companies, a thousand bucks is not, shouldn't have to think about not it a big too deal. much. Yeah. But like, and so then you could just buy it and then you could try it. And then, you know, you could be like, hey, this didn't work out. And we'd just give them their money back or most likely they just forget about it and don't renew. Right. Um, so that's fine. And so then uh, that charging that license fee is helps us to justify whatever like support questions that they're going to have, which is Aaron's big concern mm-hmm. is like they're going to have a ton of questions like while they're setting this up. So charging a thousand bucks helps us. And, and like you have to in order to actually download it. That helps us justify spending time on when they come in. But I'm like, why don't we just ignore them until they pay? And then they got to pay a support contract. And then that's what justifies us helping them. <laughs> like that, that seems well, to be okay to me too. Um, and then it. The, I mean, yeah, the ahead. crux of this responsibility is going to fall on Aaron in the early days. Right. Well, and you too, cause there'll be front end questions, but yeah. So, I mean, there will be, there will be a lot. I think you're right. I think we're going to have a lot of questions in the beginning. Yeah, right. and that was and in the beginning. It's different. You kind of want to. You want those questions, right. exactly. You want the high touch experience, right? Mm-hmm. Like we want to provide that high touch experience, and it gives us fodder for all the dev op, not dev ops, you know, dev real thingies. DX, yeah, yeah, whatever they experience. call it these days. Like how to use yeah. my software videos. Exactly. Um, we'll be making. That was. This is basically the conversation Sean and I had a long time ago, um, and so it's interesting to hear your input on it, and that's kind of what that was my, like he accurately represented my position was I'm worried about making it free until you're ready to use. Obviously the, like the ethical thing is like, well, I mean, most people would pay. Some people wouldn't, whatever people can steal it regardless. But the thing about like, if it's free, everyone's going to download it. And then we can say that we'll ignore support, but like, that doesn't feel that doesn't feel great to me to like people DM me about it on Twitter and then I ignore them or they send me an email and I ignore them. And that's kind of like, that was where some of the tension was, was like, no, just make them pay. And I was like, well, I'm, you know, if our whole deal is like, we make these really high quality components, I'm going to want to know what the sticky wickets are and be able to fix them and make it better. And I don't want a thousand people DMing me. I want people who have paid a thousand dollars. So that's kind of, that's kind of the whole conversation we had last time. I think there's a compromise. Like I was thinking about it because my, my main thing is like, okay, it's hard to, it, there's a lot of integration risk with this. It's hard to know that, yeah, this is definitely going to work with us and our data mall and the way we're doing it. Like we have seen this with our client that we have. I know that's going to be the same everywhere. 
So, well, with, with there'll be plenty of places where they're just using like straight up vanilla Laravel or rails and not many choices otherwise. And it'll be not that crazy, but still people will want to know. So my thing is like, I don't want to leave on the table, bigger clients and customers that could potentially be worth a lot more to us down the road. Um, I want to have to make sure that they can have like a touch point with us before they pay. So something like a schedule an appointment with us for like 15 minute, we could just have a book an appointment thing for like 15 minute demo. We'll show Love you that. And then, Love it. you know, and if you're, I guess if our customers are listening to this, then, you know, if you talk to us and we're like, yeah, you could have, you could have it for free for a bit so you can try it out. You know, like that'd be a way that we could do that for people. Cause yes. I, I feel like that's something that will make sense to people to not, cause it's like, even if it is only a thousand bucks, sometimes you got to go through these stupid processes with like, deciding who's going to pay for it and um yep and it's easier to just like hey boss look this is what we can do with this thing okay here's the credit card and then they go for it yep i'm on i'm much more on board with that i think that's a great idea i would love to talk to people in the beginning about what their objections are so we can either quash them or better quash them on on the landing page i think that's a great idea mhm another another middle ground would could be charging $100 a month so instead of, you know, you have to like go through a process to get a thousand dollar approval, you just charge a hundred dollars a month and people can just like try it for a hundred dollars instead of paying a thousand and then getting their money back or whatever. So that, that is an, another option. I don't really like that. I don't I like feel, it either, but I, I don't know why. Oh, tell me why. Somebody tell me why. Uh, well, I like first of all getting the oh go ahead Colleen you I, go first. Saying, I liked the compromise Sean was proposing a little bit better okay oh is that it <laughs> getting me, the money up the front monthly. getting the money up front is way more valuable this is super valuable to us in the beginning yeah, here that's true just for our own um, cash flow reasons yeah yeah, yeah. I mean I, I okay that. we can obviously talk more about this we have five weeks right but there, there's tons of things we could do. But I feel like getting paid up front is the way to go. We can have the high-touch onboarding or the I-think-I'm-interested onboarding kind of thing that Sean came up with. And if someone is like, hey, this is cool. I don't know if it's going to work. We can be like, yes, for you, you can have it for free. And we'll check back in with you in two weeks. So the people who need high-touch can get high-touch. Um, but I really feel like we should get paid up front for this thing, especially since it's a piece of software and we don't really have a way to control access and your more traditional. Yeah. yeah, In your more traditional ways. Okay. That's fine. I'm on board with that. So we'll do. And Colleen, one of the things we had talked about is this may change when we launch into rails. And so, yeah, I feel like we should charge way more. Yeah, (laughs) probably like like Rails ecosystem is not, doesn't, doesn't sound like it is quite the same. Um, pressure. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, so one of the I, things Sean and I talked about was like areas of responsibility. And part of my, part of my deal with this is launching it into the Laravel community. I feel personally like responsible. Um, and so that may change when we launch it into rails, I'm going to have opinions, but they're going to count for less because I'm not in that community. So that's going to be more up to you and also Sean, cause he's a part of that, but I'll have opinions, but like they will be weighted, you know, 0.3 instead of 1.0. So 
Yeah. It'll we'll be have a, a lot of different. data too. I mean, we're still, you know, a, a ways away from that. So we'll have a lot of data based on what we've seen with the Laravel launch, I think, which can inform yeah. some of our decisions. But, you know, you can always change your decision. Like none of this is set in stone, as we've discussed. You can always decide, you know, we'll just make the best choice with the information we have. And if we need to change it, we will. Yeah, I think so. I also, last thing on this, I like charging upfront, upfront, because we're going to have the most like um, developer integration issues in the beginning, right? Because once people find them, they will become fewer and fewer as we fix them. And if we get to a point where we fixed the egregious ones and then decide, okay, let's go, you know, free to try, then we're not hit with a wave of support because we've spent six months fixing our early customers issues. Whereas if we were to go free, free from like free to try from the beginning, we're going to have a huge number of people trying it multiplied by a huge number of outstanding sharp corners. And that's just going to be a huge support load. So does that make sense? You look quizzical. Yeah. Nope. Not quizzical. That makes perfect sense. Okay. So yes, we've thought about pricing. (laughs) Good. A thousand (laughs) dollars. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. Anything else on pricing or do we want to finish with the Hammerstone acquisition? Oh yeah. Tell about the Hammerstone acquisition. So we, I'll put it in air quotes, bought a company um, (laughs) (laughs) for 600 us dollars. So you tell me if we actually bought a company. So, all this stuff that I've been working on with Torchlight, which, by the way, has exceeded my wildest ex- expectations. It's going amazing, and I'm thrilled to death about it. All this stuff I've been working on with Torchlight, I've kind of been going down this rabbit hole of, like, documentation is difficult to produce. Um, and so I've built a bunch of custom stuff around the Hammerstone documentation so that we can keep it in GitHub alongside the libraries. So when people change library functionality, they can also change the docs at the same time. And that has turned out, you know, that's worked out really great. Um, And then we have a system by which we will pull the docs, we'll clone the repo, just the docs part, build them from Markdown, publish them on the website. Looks great, obviously uses Torchlight for code highlighting. It's just a really nice process as a developer. So I've been wanting to productize that as I've been, you know, kind of just like keeping the Hammerstone hype train going. That's been my whole deal for like the past year is I can't do any work on this client. I got to keep the hype train going. And so I want to productize that to where people can write their documentation in Markdown in GitHub and end up with, you know, beautifully rendered almost like Stripe, not quite, but almost like Stripe documentation straight from GitHub. So we have that. I found this um, product called Unmark Docs. So it's unmarkdocs.co. And it is, um, so their basic pitch is like write documentation in this, you know, superset of Markdown where they've added a bunch of features and stuff. And it's basically... It's, it's not a very clear pitch on their website, but it's kind of the same deal that we're talking about here. So it's unmarkdocs.co. Um, Unleash the power of Markdown to write better 
documentation, let unmarked docs, flavored markdown, take your docs to the next level. Um, so they're basically doing this, um, but it's been neglected for several years. And I don't think the final rendering is, it's quite as good as it could be in terms of like what they build out of the markdown. And so I was looking around on product hunt for, you know, markdown related products that appeared dead. Um, you know, that launched several years ago and appeared dead. And this was one of them that I found and I scrolled down to like the footer of the website and found out that it was built by this kid in Laravel. I mean, actual kid, he's like 19 now. So, um, he was 17 at the time. Um, and I was like, wait, I know this kid. Like I follow him on Twitter. We're friends. I'm going to reach out to him and see if he's still working on this. And if not, I'm going to buy it. And I reached out to him and he's like, Hey, I actually sold it to someone else a couple of years ago. I was like, Oh, bummer. So I reached out to the other guy. His name is uh, Sven. And he was like, yeah, Miguel sold that to me and I haven't really done anything with it since I bought it. So I'll sell it to you for what I bought it for. I was like, how much did you buy it for? It's like 600 us dollars. Nice. I will take it. And I ran before I did, I ran the domain by Mike and was like, Hey Mike, how good is, you know, how good is this domain? And he ran it through Ahrefs and was like, well, it's got a ton of backlinks, a ton of age. And this domain alone is worth more than $600. I was like, fantastic. So it comes with this full, full Laravel application. That's admittedly a little bit dusty because it hasn't been touched in a while. Full Laravel application, email list of maybe 300 people. And then um, this domain with lots of great backlinks, including like product of the day stuff from Product Hunt. And so that goes out to all their, you know, aggregators and stuff. So we've got tons of backlinks there. So I bought it for 600 bucks. So we now own unmarkeddocs.co. And whether we keep that domain, I would have to talk to Mike about that or redirect it to you know, a different, perhaps better domain or a Hammerstone subdomain or, you know, Hammerstone directory or something. Um, I think this can be, I think this can be another inroad into the developer mind space where we can kind of the same deal as Torchlight. We can do free for open source paid for, or paid for custom domains or, or whatever, um, and give people the ability to write their documentation in GitHub and then render and host these websites for them. And then when I explained all this to Andrew, he was like, yes, I want this. Like, right now, this is such a pain. It's like, great. So it's kind of taking what we already have um, just for us and turning it into something that other developers can use to, to render their documentation. So that is the story. We bought Unmarked Docs. Nice work, Aaron. Thanks. That was that was genius. <laughs> Thanks. I'm I'm pretty pleased with it. I think I think the strategy is working and I want to keep going down I want to keep following this thread of things that is working. Um and I feel like this was an easy an easy way to get a pretty pretty long way down that road for very little money and no effort at all. So Awesome. Obviously that's going to slow down like the torchlight and, you know, documentation rabbit hole is going to slow down as we're shifting focus back to the view Laravel products. Cause that's 
Like that's always been my primary focus. There just hasn't been anything for me to do on it for so long. Um, so that'll slow down for a while, but I think, I think long-term it's going to be good for us to be in this very, very developery space because everything we're selling is going to be very developery. And so I think it's good to have a spot there. That was, so remember we did the sales safari for Torchlight? Uh-huh. It was like not a lot turning up. I do remember yeah. feeling like, well, it's definitely a problem, but like who are the people that are going to have this problem? Like only like the Dave Sedias of the world, you know, because mm-hmm. um, it seemed like, okay, yeah, it's, it's definitely solving a problem, but the research is saying like, it's not really like a big, wide-reaching problem. And then it turns out that that's true, but the thing that I didn't realize is like how valuable it would be because of the specific types of people that are interested in Torchlight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we are now on the radar of people that are going to care about Refine mm-hmm. and share it with other people, like have a built-in audience. That's sort of like this uh, extra bang for our buck that I did not even think about. So even if it's not a, like a big, it's never going to be a pay the bills type of business, I don't think, but it's uh, worth it. Man, is it ever worth it for us? It's all, yeah. it's like so cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm just so tickled. I'm just I'm very pleasantly surprised this week. We also got um, Laravel Livewire documentation switched over to Torchlight and we got Alpine JS, which is a nice. very minimal JavaScript framework by the Livewire guy. We got that switched over to Torchlight. And so now at this point, because Torchlight's free for open source, people, and I didn't do either of those. Somebody made PRs against their repos that were like, hey, we're going to switch from Highlight JS to Torchlight. And then DM'd me about it on Twitter and was like, hey, I just did this to Livewire and Alpine. And I'm like, what is going awesome. on? <laughs> yeah. So it's really cool um, and, is, and it's very encouraging. So I think, I think this will be in furtherance of that. So that's the acquisition. That's the acquisition. Is anybody there paying for it? Is what? Is anybody paying for Torchlight? No. Uh, for Torchlight, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I actually got, we got our first payment today. Somebody... Um, yeah, somebody's card went through today. We have several people on the business plan, um, but I haven't enforced trial expiration yet and haven't like emailed them to say like, hey, you're going to expire. But somebody signed up for a trial and then independently put in their own credit card and has paid us. But so we have MRR? We do. What is it? Hammer- Hammerstone has $14 MRR. <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> Let's all quit our jobs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna move to California, dude. Yeah, everything no. is better in California. I'm and just cheaper. letting you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. And I've had people DM me and be like, "Hey, uh, how can I pay you for Torchlight?" And I'm like, "Really?" Put your credit card in the yeah. He's <laughs> actually the, the one. The one guy that did DM me that was the one that signed up before I was expecting people to sign up. He just like looked at my DNS and found the app domain and went and signed up himself. And so he doesn't have a corresponding Stripe customer because I hadn't implemented Stripe yet. <laughs> and he went and signed up himself. So when he tried to pay, it was like at 500 because he didn't have a Stripe customer. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I forgot that you cheated. And so, yeah. So yeah, we have MRR. We've got a couple people that are on the business plan and ready to pay. And I just need to like email them and tell them, 
time to pay. We'll we see. get to do that. So next podcast, we can report that we like tripled our MRR. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I will. And then we can get investors and that'll be it. <laughs> Show hockey stick growth and we're done. <laughs> so there you go. That's kind of all I wanted to talk about on, on the acquisition. I just thought it was kind of fun. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Anybody else have anything? Okay. I'm going to hit end there. Cool.